orgasmic enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Rewilding sexuality. The idea of rewilding is super popular these days. Before I heard the term rewilding, I used to talk about my process of de-civilizing, which I defined as removing all of the false superimposed layers of conditioning we've taken on over the course of our lives and leaving in their place a purer, more authentic version of the self. There's two parts to this journey then. One, removing what isn't natural and pulls us out of sync. And two, adding back into our lives and routines what brings us back into flow and harmony with ourselves and nature. If you followed me for any length of time, you've seen that I don't recommend any artificial interferences in the sexual realm. And that includes using lube, Viagra, hormones, whether you want to call them bioidentical or not, and all pharmaceutical drugs. And I was emphasizing the harm in that phrase. So I believe that pretty much everything can be healed naturally through a combination of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual work to find the energetic root cause. Self-responsibility is the fastest way out of any problem to figure out how you contributed to it and then amend your own behaviors. This gets you out over and evolved through it. If you're waiting for somebody else to change or you're waiting for an apology or you want to blame your gender or your race or any other factor for why you can't do something, you have given your power away and now you're fucked. (laughs) So anything that tries to take your power away and give it to someone something or someone is a psyop. And that's why I say that sexuality is the biggest psyop going. What is a psyop? A psychological operation, which is designed to cover up a truth and distract your attention onto something else. The truth is sexual energy is the greatest power source we have available to us. This is the energy that creates new life. This reproductive force is the portal to other dimensions. And we each, every single one of us have access to this power at the tips of our fingers and in our own bodies. We have the power to heal, have profound bliss and pleasure, rejuvenate, energize, shatter illusions, enlighten, crack open our consciousness consciousness and manifest our desires out into the world. Yes, sex does all of that and more. And yet, with all of the misinformation, manufactured taboo, fear, trauma, and distortion around all things sex, 
for most people, their genitals and the conscious usage of that energy could be a million miles away. And this is because they have no idea how to actually connect with it and harness it as a power source. And that is the essence of my work. How do we rebuild that connection and access all of that power? How do we wade through all of the obstacles that have been put in place to blind us to it? And where do we start? First off, remove all things artificial from the sexual equation. So this means lube, hormones, anything Viagra-like, clitoral vibrators, pornography, and any plastic or elective surgery, which includes cutting up vaginas to <clears throat> tighten them, to stuffing plastic bags in your chest with breast augmentations, to vasectomies and tubal ligations, to C-sections. Anything that you're using as an aid that doesn't come from within you is off the table and out of the bed. This even includes using alcohol or other plants to help you access your sexuality. If you're somebody who has to, I need a couple of drinks or puffs to loosen up, then I assert that these are still outside sources. Instead, find your libido, arousal, and connection from within. Anything else is a lie, meaning look at the body as an oracle. It constantly gives us messages about what we need to look at. The allopathic model in medicine is to ignore, override, and dominate the body. In my work, we listen to the body and in so doing, develop a relationship with it so that we can heed its wisdom. So let's take the example of vaginal lubrication. I do not let my female clients and students use lube, except for anal sex, and then you can use all the lube you want. For vaginal sex, none. No matter what age or stage a woman is at in her life, whether she's pregnant, postpartum, peri, meno, or postmenopausal in her 70s, I guarantee that she can lubricate naturally. The message from the body is quite simple, but we've been bludgeoned to ignore it. The message is, if I'm wet, I'm ready. Not wet, not ready. Yeah, it's not rocket science, but when your whole life has been orchestrated as an effort to remove you from the power and wisdom of your own body and sexuality, it can seem like a bold idea to listen to yourself. We've become so accustomed to the allopathic notion of overriding and abusing the body that this has become normal and normalized. Instead, back up and check in emotionally and physically to see where you have disconnected and use a jade egg. And then you will find your way back to rivers of gushing wetness. Other things to remove that are toxic would be people, trauma, old baggage, and a huge part of the work that we do in my salons is what I call demon hunting. And this is essentially about going looking for your stuck places before they can spring out and surprise you. You get to them first and you stop them from ruling your life, even if you don't know that they are. So you hunt them down, you look them straight in the eye and you demand their submission or rather their alchemical transformation into wisdom that you can now use rather than fears, anxieties, and painful patterns that you keep repeating in your life. Any experience that creates triggers for you, i.e. a disproportionate reaction to a current event based on a previous insult, injury, or traumatic event gets cleared. So what kinds of things would I add? 
breathe. During sex and self-pleasure, this is the idea of harvesting sexual energy through conscious sex and breathing for both men and women, but especially men. <laughs> this is how you take your creative orgasmic energy and you channel it out into the world through breathing. And for the dudes, this is how you build stamina. You learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. You stop depleting yourself after sex and become a marathon fucker. Giddy up, guys. Intention and commitment. So this is to use your sexual relationship as a fueling station and an alchemical cauldron. The idea of sex as a creative power and the fuel that we can engineer our entire lives with is the core of my teachings. Study. Break the illusions of sex. All of my salons are designed to do this from the inside out. To strip away what you don't need and what isn't true and to come back to your own internal knowing. Hence the Anami guarantee. All people, all orgasms, all sexual power. It's in there. You just have to clear away everything that you can in order for it to unfold and be a reality in your life. The jade egg for women, get to know your own vagina, denumb it, activate it, awaken it so that it becomes your guiding compass. G-spot and cervical dildos are amazing for acupressure, self-pleasure, and orgasms if you don't have access to other hands and cock. Prioritizing sex, so extended sex dates with yourself and partner. The only way out is through, as Robert Frost says. The longer that you can immerse yourself in each other, the more powerfully that you will bust through your blocks and illusions. All of these things are what I teach in my salons. No band-aids, no bullshit, no snake oil or faharma, fake scams, real healing and permanent cures. So the Anami guarantee is that everyone can. Everyone has this innate power. We are born with it. Every woman can be multi-orgasmic, have a high libido, voracious sexual appetite, have regular G-spot cervical ejaculatory orgasms. Every man can learn to separate orgasm from ejaculation, have utter and full control over his choosing when he wants to come or not, and have multiple orgasms. Go for eight hours a night if he so desires. Every single person can do this. The only things that keep you from accessing this ability are the false ideas that you've had and that you have allowed to be superimposed on top of you. Once you peel all of that away, once you remove the layers and conditioning and you add back in practices and habits that reset you to yourself, you are on on your way. So there's a lot of other things that I do in my life outside of the sexual realm that I'd say are instrumental in keeping the vessel clear and helping me to remove the programming that obscures the truth of who I am and that have helped me to bring myself to this place of know thyself and being able to access and hear my intuition and to listen to my body. I've talked about specific sexual and reproductive interferences, and these are general ones that can impact our hormonal systems and our spiritual essence. Let's start with things I've removed. The birth control pill. I went on hormonal birth control for two years as a teenager and off it and have never been on anything like that since. 
pesticides in food, and then all kinds of xenoestrogens in body products, household products, makeup, heavy metals, all kinds of stuff. So all the range of products that we're exposed to in our environment and that we put on our bodies, I don't use any of that stuff. I do put makeup on when I'm getting paid, like when I do videos or have an interview because with lighting, you kind of have to, but um, I take it straight off. I use minimal body products. I don't even use body soap. I don't use deodorant. I've been washing my hair with egg. <laughs> the only thing that I put on my skin are my Anami Aphrodisia oils. So there's a breast oil and a yoni oil and they double as facial oils. And the couple's massage oil is an epic hair oil. And you can find those in my Anami Alchemia online shop. Drugs and alcohol, nada. I've been clean and sober for 30 years. Ah, oh, but Kim, what about plant medicine? You like plant medicine? Try orgasms. You're still getting these things from an outside source, and I personally don't consider that to be empowering. When you learn to travel into other dimensions via your own conscious awareness, then we can talk. Pharmaceuticals. I don't use any. I don't even have anything like Tylenol or painkillers, anything like that in the house. I do have a herbal and homeopathic first aid kit and a small herbal medicine cabinet, which has things like parasite tinctures and calendula cream. And I grow aloe vera and comfrey and other medicinal herbs. And by medicinal, I mean acute and not chronic <laughs> or, or journeys or microdoses. If you want to take a real journey and find God, try getting fucked up the ass. So TV, mainstream media, mainstream radio, I don't ever consume these things. And I, you know, find it irritating if I go to somebody's house and they've got the television on because I'm like, oh man, I'm getting brainwashed. And, you know, <laughs> because there's all this evidence. It's been, it's common knowledge if you know where to look that, this, the media channels that we that exist today are really just propaganda vehicles and full of all kinds of subliminal programming. If you look into the origins of television or tell lie vision, you'll see that it was created as let's see what's another word for surgery, mockingbird to infiltrate all media with some top down agendas. So I don't take in any of that stuff. Once in a while, I will watch something that strikes my fancy, usually just humor and. I'm hoping that in small doses, I'm not getting too heavily affected, but for the most part, I don't watch anything, consume anything of that nature. And if you look at music, so the Hertz frequency and music has been altered. It was changed from the healing frequency of 432 Hertz. And all of our music has now made into 440 Hertz since 1953. And when I heard this, this made sense to me because I find most music to sound like noise. <laughs> Milan Kundera once said that there's this huge leap to make the jump from music or from noise into music. And I think of that when I think of mainstream radio. So 432 Hertz is meant to transmit healing energy and be the underlying tone of nature itself. And 440 is discordant and it sounds like noise. It's grating to our system. In the 1940s, the United States introduced 440 Hertz around the world. And then in 1953, it became the ISO 16 standard. So I avoid, I mean, I do, I don't listen to that much music at all these days. I've really 
go into silence. But occasionally, if I have a really long drive, I suppose I listen to music, but it's always more alternative, independent type music, which quite possibly is still tuned to that frequency, but I guess I tell myself at least, or I don't think it's as bad. It's just, when I hear the radio on, I get really irritated. It really grates on me. So what else have I removed or do I avoid? Social justice movements. As part of my spiritual studies, I have learned to walk the middle path. I don't do it with everything, but it's been an objective in my life. And I avoid these kinds of things for the psyops, distractions, and energy harvesting apparatuses that they are. And in reality, the things that most people think of as grassroots, like selecting your pronouns in support of marginalized people, are actually social engineering with broader agendas like transhumanism and preparing people for the notion that we don't need to have sex to reproduce because in a number of years, most people won't be able to anyway, and they certainly won't be able to if they are cutting off their genitals and pumping themselves full of toxic and dangerous castration hormones. I'll give you a hint, and this was a meme I saw recently. If the corporations are spouting your cause, you are not the resistance. You are part of the control agenda, you fucking moron. So, all right, cities, yeah, get rid of those. I avoid them. I mean, I do visit them occasionally, sparingly, maybe to go see a practitioner or buy a certain thing, but I certainly don't live there. And I have been much happier and at peace in a rural or semi-rural setting. I aim also to spend some weeks and months each year off the grid entirely. I used to enjoy certain cities for their wellness and spiritual communities, although these days they've completely disbanded and all split up because those cities are no longer the place to be. They're horrible hellholes. Um, but they used to have like amazing cuisine and all kinds of, you know, wellness modalities that I was interested to check out. But you know, either I'm not going there at all, or I might visit something like that briefly and then return home into the wild or the semi-wild. In case you didn't know, cities were never meant to be lived in. They were originally conceived of as places of commerce only. You'd go there to buy and sell your wares, and then you'd go back home to the country. This notion of living in cities is relatively recent. And now, with the planning of smart cities that are essentially going to be massive surveillance grids and, I'd say, death traps, I'd be staying out of them as much as possible. Bras. I know this list is all over the place, but there you go. I don't wear those except for special occasions, which I would define as a monumental cocktail dress or, you know, answering the door in some fine, fine lingerie. Bras are not so great for your breasts. I mean, they make your breasts actually sag. And so I always encourage women to get much more comfortable being braless and for men to be much more comfortable with women being braless. Synthetic materials in clothing. My favorite material to wear is silk, and lately I've been getting into linen. And I have read about linen historically having energetic and healing properties, which is likely why it's so lauded as the ultimate in bed sheets. And organic cotton is great too for bedding, but I'm just not a cotton kind of girl when it comes to clothing, although my gardening clothes are made of cotton. Sunglasses, sunscreen, I only use 
zinc when I'm going to be out in the surf for hours and only on my face. Otherwise, I don't use any kind of sunscreen. Sunglasses only if, I guess, it's so glaringly bright and maybe I have to drive and I need them, but I've really tried to wean myself off of sunglasses because all of these things are preventing us from using our bodies, which are giant solar panels, to take in sunlight in every way that we can. And our eyes are really important for that. Even contact lenses can block out us taking in the sunlight. And so there's, this is a whole other topic, but there are vision restoration programs that you can embark upon. If you wear contacts, you could minimize their wear and that when you're outside, even try to consciously not wear them so that you're taking in natural light. And then of course there is the sunning of the genitals, which I highly recommend, (laughs) Removal of heavy metals. So I do a few things to remove these from my system, including drinking the medical medium heavy metal detox smoothie, which contains chlorella, which is an amazing remover of heavy metals, a a binder, spirulina, dulse, barley grass powder, cilantro, and wild blueberries. TRS spray is a clay mineral zeolite substance that chelates metals, and people have had incredible results with that. Some other things I am especially into right now include earthing, which is going barefoot on the natural ground (laughs) as much as I can. I do bushwalks barefoot, beach walks barefoot. I'm out in my garden barefoot. So there's a few hours each day where my body is touching the earth directly. We recharge our human body batteries through contact with the earth. Oceaning. I get into the ocean as much as possible, usually daily if I'm around one. I'll surf for anywhere from 90 minutes to a few hours, swim, body surf. Seawater is also meant to be an amazing auric and energetic cleanser. And I think there's so much more to the healing power of the sea. Surfers I have met over the years who have been like surfing for decades, right? Uh, they have often, even if they have a heavy duty lifestyle in terms of partying and consumption of drugs and alcohol and what I would consider to be not optimum diets, often have the most clear blue eyes and radiance about them that shows me that something's been cleansing them despite all of the other things that they're doing to pollute their bodies, something's still getting through. And I think that something is the ocean. Sunlight, I've mentioned this already, as much as I can, I check out my genital sunning video for more information about all things powerful for taking in genital sunlight. Sunrise and sunset beach walks. Exposure to morning sun is meant to reset your circadian rhythms. And sun gazing, I look directly at the sun within the first 30 minutes of sunrise, and I do this for about a minute. I think people build up for longer than that, but I take the sun into all of my cells. And again, these are looking at the natural resources in our environment that we get told are so poisonous and dangerous for us, and we're constantly being removed from them. And so this whole movement to me is about reforging that connection and seeing the power that's there available to all of us. 
water. So spring water when I can gather it. Otherwise, I have rainwater tanks and a whole house water filter and a drinking water filter. And I also structure my water. Cold water therapy. So this is cold showers and ice baths and you know, plunges and any kind of natural cold water system. And I do Wim Hof breathing for this as well surfing itself. So the notion of being in flow, harmonizing with that energy of nature is the ultimate expression, being on a wave, right? And the whole metaphor of preparing, positioning yourself, being willing, and then being picked up and carried away by the flow of life, and then riding that as you're harmonizing with it, right? To stay in sync with it. It's the ultimate recalibration tool. And I recommend that everyone have some kind of practice that brings you into your zone of flow or a few of them. My favorite would be surfing. Shivambu, urine therapy. I drink my morning urine and I've been giving myself enemas with fermented urine. Yes, you heard me right. You let your urine sit for at least two weeks and then you shove it up your ass. Troy Casey, aka the certified health nut, whose tagline is ripped at 50, and he totally fucking is, talks about how he got rid of his gut as in a belly paunch by doing urine enemas. So if that's not enough to sell you, I don't know what is, <laughs> but there's a lot more behind it. So Shivambu therapy, um, states that urine isn't actually a toxic substance. It's medicine that your body produces that contains exactly what you need, a self-produced prescription and balancer to address any health issues that you might have. So people have cured their cancers and even had their teeth remineralized through doing this. I feel good doing it and I can't report any major changes, but I also wouldn't say that I have any major health issues. I mentioned that I use herbs and homeopathy for acute issues, and lately I've been taking lion's mane and chaga after a surf injury that I had a few months ago. I also take flower and crystal essences to help move energetic patterns because I believe that all physical injury and symptoms and ailments stem from energetic, psychological, and emotional patterns. If we can address those first and foremost, we don't need to have the experience of the injury. So flowers and crystals are amazing for that. And I believe so passionately in the healing and up-leveling power of crystals that I created my own line of crystal elixirs, which I make myself, and you can find those in the Anami Alchemia online shop. Biodynamic gardening. So this is about as pure as food comes, apart from wild-crafted food. So I have eaten organic food for the last 30 years, and biodynamic when I can get it. And now I've been growing my own food, or at least some of my own food. Biodynamics is organic on steroids, and it's based on the anthroposophic work of Rudolf Steiner. It's using special formulations and rhythms to fortify the soil, and the nutrient power and syncing up planting and harvesting with the seasons and the moon cycles. Biodynamic food maximizes the life force that you take in through your food, which brings us to diet. So 
I grew up as an omnivore and I became a vegetarian when I was 18. And then I was vegan for about 10 years. I was a raw foodist for a while. And then along the way, I got the intuitive nudge to start eating Alaskan salmon. <laughs> so I was a vegan who ate salmon. Ha ha ha. And then about three years ago, after 30 years of not eating any meat and thinking that I probably would never again, I ate my first steak in three decades. So in all my years of being a vegetarian, I always said that if I ever wanted to eat meat, I would. But in 30 years, I didn't. <laughs> However, a few years back when the conversation was beginning to happen, or I guess making a resurgence into the mainstream about bone broths and talking about organs, this kind of piqued my interest and I was getting nudges that maybe it was time for me to be ingesting some of these things. And when I was a kid, my favorite meat to eat when I was growing up was New York steak. So go back a few years, I was at a lunch table with 15 other women and there was a set menu. You could only offer, like order a few things from the menu. And one of the items was New York steak. Every single woman at that table ordered New York steak. And the woman next to me was a reformed vegan. And she was telling me how amazing she felt eating meat again. So I asked her for a piece of her steak, which also happened to be an insane quality, organic, grass-fed, biodynamically raised steak. Like this was quite possibly the best quality mana food steak on the planet. And then it happened. The first of its kind, I had a steak gasm. Yes, I had a full body cervical orgasm type experience eating this piece of steak that I probably chewed 300 times. <laughs> and then I had another piece, which I also chewed about 300 times because this substance was quite foreign to my body. And that was probably really good intuition because I would have not had any of these digestive enzymes, presuming that they're different for, you know, digesting steak than vegetables for such a long time that my body would have needed that time to, uh, understand what was going on. So then I had another orgasm and then the woman sitting beside me, because all these people are watching me, this momentous occasion of me breaking this fast, I guess. And she watched me having my meatgasm and then she had an orgasm. So my body was telling me so clearly in the most Anami style language that it wanted to eat meat. And so lately I've been eating steak and eggs and organs like raw liver, but I have no desire for pigs or chickens. And I'd love to get my hands on some bison and venison, but where I am at the moment, that's a bit difficult. I am really intrigued by the notion of eating organs and how hunters would traditionally eat diets composed mainly of meat and fruit and that organs were delicacies and that potentially as well, eating organs that are like, let's say you have issues with your eyes, that if you're eating eyes, yeah, I know, um, that might help to heal your eyes or intestines for your intestines or liver to help heal your liver. So this is all stuff that I'm exploring right now. And you know, I think this, the thing for me is that all the years I was a vegetarian and a vegan, I was never insulting towards other people and their diets, you know, like I would have partners who ate meat and I really didn't give a shit, you know, I was like, that's what works for them. This is what works for me. And that was fine. So 
you know, for me, it was always about really listening to my own body and then trying not to be rigid, (laughs) you know, if something was coming along to change my course. So in terms of what I think people ought to be eating, my best answer is to listen to your body and follow the signs of where you are drawn. I have seen people heal on raw food, vegan diets, and I've seen them heal on carnivore diets. So I think it really depends on what you need and when you need it. And being able to pivot and listen to that, like I said, even if your mind might try to tell you something different based on whatever dogma that you've bought into, and could be true and maybe was true for you for a while and that you've based your identity around. Years ago, there was a raw food family who'd gained quite a lot of attention. They were called the Butenkos and they had written some books and they were traveling around giving talks about their lifestyle. They had a whole laundry list of ailments. The mother had arrhythmia, edema, she was obese, depressed. The father had rheumatoid arthritis, severe hyperthyroid. The son was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes and was supposed to go on insulin. The daughter had asthma and then they went on a raw food diet and they healed all of their health problems. And the story that I remember most about about them was this. As a family, they walked the entire Pacific Crest Trail from the Southern California end to the Canada part on a six-month, 2,650-mile adventure. So they never seriously hiked before, and they quickly ran out of food and had to start foraging for food. And by the end of their trail, 60 to 80% of their diet was wild edibles. And they said that they felt better than ever by the end of it, and that their teeth get this, their teeth that had fillings in them, regrew their enamel and popped their fillings right out of their mouths. Like their teeth grew and popped the fillings out. I've seen miraculous healing in the raw food movement, and I've also seen people on strict carnivore diets like Michaela and Jordan Peterson, who only ate ruminant animals, beef, lamb, goat, bison, venison, radically improve their health and heal themselves. Michaela had rheumatoid arthritis, depression, bipolar type 2, idiopathic hypersomnia, Lyme disease, psoriasis, and eczema, and some of these labels you know, whatever. They're like allopathic labels. Jordan had uh, lifelong depression, anxiety, gastric reflux, and associated snoring, inability to wake up in the morning, psoriasis, gingivitis, floaters in the right eye, numbness on the sides of his legs, problems with mood regulation, and all of those things were eradicated for them on their carnivore diet. So the moral of the story is the wilder, the better. So get wild, kids. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review. And send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off-the-charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.